If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open me to the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 10, and we will begin in verse 1. Luke chapter 10 and verse 1. And if you were here last week, you know that um, we actually read at least part of this text last week too. But I only got about a quarter of the way through um, the text that I was wanting to get through. And so we're going to go back at the beginning in verse 1, and we're going to get down through, hopefully, uh, verse 16 today. And um, you remember that we've been talking about Jesus and, and, and his kind of his journey. He's headed to Jerusalem now. He has sent out 70 disciples ahead of him because he's going to be going to Jerusalem. He's going to be stopping along the way. And so he sends out 70 of his followers to kind of prepare the way and get people ready, do healing and, and so forth. And so we're going to look at, um, at his commission to them as he sends them out. And in particular, we're going to look at the, uh, the reception and rejection that they received and how they were to respond to that. So if you found Luke 10, I know you just got to sit down, but if you wouldn't mind, in honor of God's word, we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, Now after this the Lord appointed seventy others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. <coughs> say in that house, eating and drinking what, what they give you. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, Eat what is set before you, and heal those in it who are sick, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, Even the dust of, of your city, which clings to, to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I say to you, it will be more tolerable in that, in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that have been performed, if the miracles have been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will be brought down to Hades. The one who listens to you listens to me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Thank you. May be seated. Now, the first thing I want you to see in our text today is God's provision. God's provision. Now, we looked um, at a little, a little bit of this last week, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time here. But if, uh, if you'll notice, verse 4, Jesus tells them, don't take certain things. He says, don't take, for instance, a money bag or a belt. Now, today we might call that uh, like a, a, a bag, a, a purse, or a wallet. And he says, don't take those things. Don't take something to hold or carry or to store money in. And so then the question is, and don't even take a bag with which to beg once you get there. And so then the question is, they've got to eat. They've got to pay for certain things. How are they going to do that if they don't have these things to hold their money in? And so uh, verses 5 through 9 tell us his method or means of doing that. And he says, essentially, depend on the hospitality of people in the city and God's going to change their hearts. He says, depend on those people and their hospitality while you're there. Now, notice verse 5, the procedure that he says. He says, when you go to a house, first say, 
peace be to this house. Now that is not unique to Jesus. That's a traditional Jewish greeting. It's a traditional Jewish blessing. When somebody would come into the house, they would say, peace be to this house. It, it's seeking, it's, it's asking God to bless the home. It's seeking that, that, that God would bless those who are in that home. And the Greek word that's translated as, as bless is irene. Irene. Now, you may be familiar with an English word that we have that's very similar. You may have, you may have heard of a, uh, a conversation, for instance, being irenic. It, it, it has the idea of, of, be, of, of peace, of, of prosperity, as it applies to a conversation. It'd be saying that uh, everybody's getting along. Okay, it's, it's, it's akin to the Hebrew word shalom. And so he's, he's saying, go into these homes and bless it. Bless it. Everybody, he, he's saying that, that you should be asking God to give these people prosperity and blessing and happiness and well-being and peace. So that when the disciples would go into the city, uh, what would happen is it was customary today, if somebody comes to your house, you're probably not going to say, hey, come on in and spend the night. If some stranger comes to your house, you're probably not going to invite them in to spend the night. But back then, if somebody was traveling through a city, it was customary to invite that person to stay in your home. And so, so God has his people all over the place. Many of these places where, where these disciples were going, no doubt they'd heard about Jesus. Some of them probably had had friends or loved ones. Maybe they themselves had been healed or maybe had demons cast out of them. They knew about Jesus. And so these people would be the first probably to welcome these disciples in. But, uh, but, but even if not, maybe they were just hearing about Jesus from these disciples. Either way, when these disciples would go into a city, these people would welcome the disciples into their homes to, to stay. And when they would go in, the disciples were to pronounce this, 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 uh, this blessing of well-being on the house. Now, your Bible may not say in verse 6 what this translation says. This says, if a man of peace is there. Yours may say, if a son of peace is there. Now, the reason for that is because in Hebrew, the kind of Hebrew idioms, if somebody is characterized by something, they're often called a son of or a child of whatever it is. And so in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 2.3, a verse that you all have heard, the unsaved, unregenerate person is called, that those people are called children of wrath. Children of wrath. And in other words, uh, the, the wrath of God, that, that is their condition. The wrath of God, not, not future tense, present tense, rests on them. It is the defining characteristic of their lives. And that describes you today apart from Jesus. It may be that you're here. It may be that somebody is listening to me online, maybe at a later date. If you are apart from Jesus, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you've never repented of your sin, this describes you, you are a children, you are a child of wrath. God's wrath rests, present tense, on you. You say, well, it doesn't seem like God's too wrathful to me. I've got all kinds of good stuff going on. I have my health. I have good friends. I have a, a good paying job. It is only by God's grace and his mercy that this very moment you are not in hell. God does not, God does not owe that to you. He does not owe that to me. It is only by God's grace and His mercy that we, are not, that we are not in hell this very moment. We don't deserve an opportunity to get right with God, but, but each day that God extends that time on earth, we have an opportunity to get right with God. And it could be that somebody here is, has never done that. And if that is you, I implore you today to make this day 
the day of salvation. The Bible says today is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. If you will put your faith in Christ, you will be saved. You'll, you'll no longer be a child of wrath. You will be a child of God. We also see this, this terminology of a child or a son of elsewhere. For instance, John 17, 12. Jesus refers to Judas Iscariot as the son of perdition, meaning the one who is destined to perish or to be condemned. You remember uh, there was a story where Nathan, in the Old Testament, Nathan is talking to King David. David has committed this sin with Bathsheba. And the prophet Nathan comes in and tells a story about a rich man and a sheep and all these different things. And, and speaking of the man that deserved to die, David literally called that man a son of death. So having that in mind, when you look at verse 6, it talks about a son of peace or a man of peace. He's not just talking about being peaceful and, and quiet and, and tranquil and, and somebody who's, who's real even keeled as far as their emotions go. He's talking about someone who is peaceable towards Christ and the gospel. They are receptive. He says, if such a person is there, your peace, your benediction, your blessing will rest on him. If that's not the type of home you're welcomed into, he says, then your blessing will return to you. Now, look at verse 7. Once they're welcomed into the home, verse 7 says, stay there and eat or drink whatever they give you. Why? Verse 7, because, for, the laborer, is worthy of his wages. The laborer is worthy of his wages. Said another way, the one who preaches the gospel has a right to live by the gospel. Now Jesus is not talking about the guys that you see on TV that fleece the flock. He's not talking about the, the guys that, that, that preach health and wealth and all these different things. He's not talking about people that, that try and manipulate others and, and get them to, to, you know, they say, well, if I, I've just got to have X amount of dollars because I need a new plane. If I don't get X amount of dollars, I'm going to die. God's told me that. He's not talking about people that, 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 that are ripping others off. He, he's saying that, that, that the person who is preaching the gospel is doing good, honest labor, and they have a right to live from that labor. I remember in college, I, I, I worked at the till marketing place, and... Um, I worked with some characters, and kind of out of the blue, one of the guys that was there, he was a young man, um, probably at my age at the time, probably in his early 20s, maybe younger than that. He turned to me out of the blue and said, basically, I don't remember his exact words, but he, he said he didn't think it was right for preachers to get paid. And just out of the blue, he didn't think the pastors should be paid to, to preach. And uh, it wasn't the usual, well, you only work one day a week and then you work too long type of thing. I mean, he, he, he thought there was something fundamentally wrong with a pastor being able to pay his bills, I guess. But listen, Jesus says, and this is not new to Jesus, actually it comes back from the Old Testament, that the one who preaches the gospel has a right to uh, live by the gospel. Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 9 and 1 Timothy 5. And he talks about, actually pulls from... Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 25 and, and that of an ox. And he says, don't muzzle the ox while it's uh, treading grain. Anyway, it's not a new concept. But notice, he says, the, the 70 that I'm sending out, wherever you go, you have a right to, if, if they provide you food, you have a right to eat it. But don't always be looking for something better. Don't always be looking to upgrade your accommodations. He says, wherever you go, that's where you need to stay. Now, obviously, you just imagine if somebody goes into your house, they spend the night, and then the next day they say, hey, I'm going to, I appreciate you, I appreciate your offer, but I'm going to go down to Sarah's place, 
Oh, really? I hate to I hate to hear that. Why are you going to Sarah's place? Well, this room you supplied to me is pretty nice, but she she has a room that has an attached bath, and they're having steak tonight. And you were going to give me ramen, and so I'm I, I really appreciate you offering me the bed, but you know I'm just going to have to go someplace else. You can imagine what that would be like. It'd be offensive. And so Jesus says, don't constantly be looking to upgrade your accommodations. Wherever you go, that's where you stay. And, and on top of that, you'd always be, you'd be spending so much time uh, packing and, and getting settled in and, and all those things. You wouldn't be able to spend time doing the most important work, which was heralding the gospel. So anyway, Jesus says, go out to the, go out to the cities. When somebody welcomes you in, let your peace be there. Stay where you're at. Eat whatever they give you and be happy. Now look at verse 8. Jesus talks about what to do when you're not received well. He says, whenever you enter a city and they receive you, eat what's put before you. Now, again, this is the same basic command as what he gave, gave in verse 7, but the focus is different. Because in verse 7, the focus is you go into a place, whatever they give you, they may be able to give you a steak dinner every time you're there, but they may have, they may just have stuff out of the garden they can give to you. He says, whatever they give you, Eat it. But verse 8, the focus is different because God is providing for his people. Let me back up. Many of these disciples, if not all of them, would have been um, Jewish. Now, the Jews at the time had very strict dietary laws. Now, Jesus had already, he's already declared all foods clean, but old habits die hard. If you grow up a certain way, you're in that way of thinking, and and, and some of those uh, some of those uh, things that maybe once you thought were bad or wrong, you realize they're not. That's going to take a while to undo mentally. And so Jesus is saying, you're going to be going to these cities, some of which, or some of the homes you may be going into, may be Gentile. And though you can't, under the old Mosaic law, you can't have pork. If they give you pulled pork sandwiches, eat whatever's put in front of you. If somebody says, you know what, come to our house, spend the night, we just went fishing, we got some catfish, we're going to fry it up, come over, it'll be, it'll be a nice time. He says, eat whatever they put in front of you. Now both of those things would have been, would have been no-nos under the Jewish law, under the, the Mosaic law. And so what he's saying is, these people are going to offer you things, don't refuse it. Because again, that will be Offensive. That's going to put a, a stumbling block in their way. Just eat and drink whatever's given to you. Don't, but don't just go for the food. Look at what he says in verse 8. He says, heal, uh, or verse 9, heal those who are sick. Heal those who are sick. Now, this is an interesting connection. Jesus links the coming kingdom of God to his healing ministry. In other words, in the healing and, and making well of people, we see the kingdom of God bursting in uh, on, on, onto history. Now, of course, not everybody's going to respond positively to this message. If you're not received, he says, go out to the streets and wipe the dust from your feet. Now, today, if somebody doesn't respond to the message, we don't. what, what we tend to do in our culture is we try to water it down. Oh, well, you, you don't like Jesus' call to discipleship? Well, let's make it a little more seeker-sensitive. Let's, let's water this down, and, and we'll just kind of ease you into this idea that Jesus uh, wants your all. 
He, he, he is going to be Lord of your life. We don't do that. But Jesus said to his disciples, if they reject you, you go out, you take off your shoes, wipe the dust off your feet, and tell them this. Tell them the same message, the kingdom of God has come near. The, their rejection does not stop the kingdom's coming. Their rejection does, does not hinder it in any way. It doesn't, doesn't slow down its arrival. Their rejection causes them to lose access to it. Listen, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God however and whenever you want. We don't get to determine the conditions of our acceptance. It's not that we get to dictate to God, I'm going to, you know, God, you're going to, I've got, I've got a lot of money. I've got some charisma. I've got this, that, and the other. You'll be lucky to have me on your team. So, so here's what we're going to do. No, that's not the way it works. You will come to God, God's time and God's way, or you won't come at all. We're not equals negotiating. He is the victor. We are the vanquished. We, are, we, we must surrender all. He sets the terms. Jesus is the way. Salvation is found in nobody else. It's not, well, Jesus, I'm going to put you on par with so on and so forth. No, you'll come to Jesus the way he says. You're not on equal footing with him. He is Lord. You are not. You must surrender all. He must be Lord. You must come to the end of yourself and realize that the only thing you bring to salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. And Jesus says, when you go to these, when you go to these cities, you proclaim the gospel, you heal, heal the sick. If they accept it, fantastic. If they don't, it's their loss. It's their loss. You wipe the, wipe the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. The only thing we bring to the salvation is our liabilities. He has all the assets, and they are more than enough to cover our liabilities. That's the message, whether it's accepted or rejected. Now, if you look at, at your text again, uh, verses 11 and following, we see that the severity of judgment that a, a person or a place receives is determined by the amount of light that is received. Look again at verse, well, especially verse 12, we have the language of comparison. He says it will be more tolerable in the day of judgment. He, and now we know he talks about Sodom. Now Sodom, we know what it is. It's, it's, it's a city in the Old Testament. It's a real place. We know that from history. Um, it, was, it was a wicked place. They'd done all kinds of perversity. Um, they, they were inhospitable. They were involved in sexual perversion. They, it was just a bad, bad place. And through time, it became a word picture of some place that was really, really bad. And so there are times whenever even, even Jerusalem is called Sodom because, uh, it, like I said, it's a, it's a powerful word picture. And Jesus says, in that day of judgment, even a place as wicked as Sodom would have a less severe judgment than these cities that he and his disciples have been in. Why? Because Jesus and his disciples are, are giving them more spiritual light than what Sodom had. They had seen the miracles. They had heard the teachings. They had, they had seen the healings. They had seen the demons cast out. They had done all these things. They had all this light. And, and Capernaum, he mentions Capernaum, which was his kind of a adopted home city. That's where he was setting up base. That's where he was operating his ministry from. And they were, they were obviously lifted up in pride. If you look at verse 15, yeah, verse 15, and you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? 
you know, when I was back home, where I went to school, we didn't have much going on. I mean, the only thing that was notable about our, our, our town that I went to school in was we were the bean capital of little Egypt. You say, what in the world's that? I don't know. Yeah, but uh, what, what, we had bean days. It was a farming community. We had bean days, and, and they'd eat beans out of trash cans and all sorts of things, and parades. I mean, it was, it was you can imagine what it's like, a little, little country town. But what they do, and probably you've seen this, if somebody did something mildly remarkable, they put a sign, home of so-and-so who did X. Maybe Capernaum was kind of like that. Home of Jesus, healer of the sick. Home of Jesus, walker on water. We, we don't know, but evidently they were exalted in some way and they were just a little, little fishing community. So it's probably associated with Jesus in some way and his ministry there. He says, even you, you have this connection with me. You're not going to be exalted to heaven. You'll be brought down to Hades. Why? Because you've had all this light, and yet, by and large, you've rejected Christ. And folks, we live in a nation that has had a tremendous amount of light. Now, don't get me wrong. We are far from perfect as a nation. But I'd still rather live here than any place else. We, I mean, we've been blessed abundantly. But listen, when, when a nation, any nation, rejects Christ, turns its back on God, His laws, His ways, His morality, we reject the light that's been given any nation. We should not expect anything except Judgment. And I hate to even say it. Because I, I get choked up when I hear Lee Greenwood. I have friends and family that have served, are serving in the military, and I have nothing but respect for them. But when we look at what the Bible says, and we look at God's dealings with nations... When a nation, when a city, when a person turns their back on God, there is nothing left but judgment. And, 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 and I believe that we are seeing the judgment of God on this nation even now. And, and I, I just pray that God will show us mercy and grace and not give us what we clearly deserve. And listen, what's true of nations, in this case, is true of individuals. The more light you have, the more responsible you are. The person who has been to church and has heard the gospel their whole lives has far more light than the person who, who maybe has, has grown up in, in a situation where they've never heard the gospel at all. Far more light, far more responsibility. And listen, when you stand before God, I want my hands to be clean in the matter. Because I don't want you to stand before God one day and say, I've never heard the gospel. The gospel is that you're a sinner. That I'm a sinner. We have done things in our thought life, in our words, in our deeds, in our attitudes. We have done things that have broken God's law. We have violated His, His word. He says, don't do this, and we've done it. He says, do this, and we've left it undone. We have the sin of commission and the sin of omission. 
We are sinners in thought, in word, and in deed. Each person. And the Bible says that that sin separates us from God. And the wages of that sin is death. What, what is the natural consequence? What will happen? Is death. Physical death, but primarily eternal spiritual death separate from God in hell. We can't do anything to make us right with God. The only thing that we can do is work hard and end up going to hell tired. Our, our righteous deeds, those things that we're proud of, the things that we're trying to get on good, God, good, God's good side with, they're as filthy rags. But the Bible says that God has, has shown His love in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus, the Son of God, came into this world, born of a virgin, lived a perfect, sinless, holy life, died on the cross, took the wrath that sin deserved, that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you will trust Christ as your Savior, you will be saved. It's not that, that, that most will be saved. It's not that He's an imperfect Savior and, and, and some will, will get in if, if they've called on Him and some won't. No, it's, it's all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And the Bible says that we shouldn't delay. That today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time to turn from our sin, to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus and experience the forgiveness, the reconciliation from God that we can't get on our own. That's the gospel. And the gospel is that if you, right where you are, will believe on Christ, you will experience that salvation. And if you have never done that, I pray, I hope, I implore you to do that today. Why don't you stand with me as a musician comes. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, the first question I want to ask you is whether or not you are a child of wrath or a child of God. How do you know if you're a child of wrath? Have you ever turned from your sin in repentance and faith and believed on the Lord Jesus? If you've never done that, you are a child of wrath. There is no other way. It's not Jesus plus, it's Jesus alone. If you've done that, pray for that person maybe that's, that's on your heart, a friend, colleague, a co-worker, that you know hasn't done that. Pray for our nation. as we are in a culture that calls good evil and evil good. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful 
that you have provided a way of salvation that we know that we don't deserve. And God, I pray that if there's anybody that's hearing me today in the church, online, wherever it is, if they don't know you, Lord, I pray that you convict them, draw them to yourself. And God, I, I pray that you would help each of us, help us to be thankful for the salvation that you've offered us and many of us have, have taken advantage of. Because we know we don't deserve it. God, we pray for our friends, co-workers, our loved ones that don't know you. Pray for salvation for them. God, we pray for our nation as we are a, a people that have, uh, by and large, turned from you. God, I thank you for faithful Christians who, in the midst of, of adversity, in the midst of a culture that glorifies evil, I thank you for those faithful Christians who are standing firm, and I pray that you'd help each of us to do that, uh, to, to, to do it better. Be bold to not back down. And God, again, I just uh, pray that you would uh, bring our nation to, back to you. And let us be a nation under God again. God, we thank you for what you're doing in, in our own lives and in the, the hearts and lives of those around us. And we ask that your will would be done today. In Jesus' name, amen.